This is KMTT. Today, on Mondays, we have a shear of Harav Yemen Tavori, who this year will be examining different responses, Shalotu Chuvot, from the major ones from the 18th and 19th century. Harav Tavori. We'll continue discussing some of the Sheilot Chuvot of Harav Yosef Shal Natanzen, known as the Sheolu Meshiv. Last week we mentioned that he was very insistent upon keeping old the older Minhagim. He refused to allow changes in Minhagim. If we'll remember, he was opposed to the reform movement, which had certain changes. And, of course, we could understand why he would be very, very anti any such change. But Lahavdil, the Hasidim, also innovated certain changes in Halacha, or in Minhagim, and Rav Natanz was very opposed to that as well. One of the interesting tshuvas that he has is about putting on tefillin on Chola Moed. The custom in Germany was to put on tefillin on Chola Moed. At that time, I would assume, because of the influence of Hasidus, perhaps also through the influence of the Vilna Gaon, but there was a strong movement not to put on tefillin on Cholamoid. The argument not to put on tefillin on Cholamoid is that Cholamoid is an os, and when, when you have an os of Cholamoid, you don't have an, another os of tefillin. One would have to question what exactly is the os of Chol HaMoed. Tosfus mentions that the os of Chol HaMoed is the fact that on Pesach you eat matzah, you do not eat chametz, and the os on Sukkot is that you sit in the Sukkah, you do not eat a meal outside the Sukkah. The argument of Rav Natanzen is that that doesn't really create an os. We paskin that a person not need not eat matzah on Pesach. It's true you're not allowed to eat chametz, but there not be any. There no. There is no need of anything positive of eating matzah. We do know and we're aware that there are rishonim and of course the gra and others who think there's a mitzvah kiyumis. There's a you fulfill a mitzvah if you eat matzah on Pesach. But that doesn't mean that a person must eat matzah. So, Rav Natan questions, why is Cholamoid indeed considered an os? On the other hand, the poskim, who say you do not put on tefillin Cholamoid, all relate to a certain Zohar. Where the Zohar says putting on tefillin on Cholamoid is considered a very bad practice. The Kesef Mishnah, in a quote and the Rambam quotes the Zohar as saying that it's kitzitzas hanatios. It's almost the form of apikarsus to put on tefillin cholamoy. So, why would Rav Natanzen maintain the old minig when the Zohar is obviously so opposed to it? One could begin a, an entire discussion. How do we look at the Zohar in within halachic framework? Do we pass in according to Kabbalah? And of course, much has been written about this, about 
In fact, there's a book by uh, Professor Yaakov Katz called Halacha the Kabbalah, a very interesting book. Uh, many cases where Halacha and Kabbalah somehow either contradict or how they go hand in hand. Very interesting topic. But Rav, Rav Natanson went to a different approach completely. He said that the only understanding that he could feel of the Os would be, does Chalamoid have Kedushas Hayom, which would create an Isra Malacha? And he felt, if there is a Kedushas Hayom which has an Isra Malacha, Kedushas Hayom has to reflect itself in an Isra Malacha, then he would understand that Chalamoid is an Os, and therefore one would not put on Tefillin on Chalamoid. However, if we pass him, that Chalamoid, the Isra Melach and Chalamoid is only an Isra Drabanan, then there is no Os. He rejected the concept of an Os of uh, Matzah or Sukkah, and therefore you would put in Tefillin. So he showed how the Zohar went Lashitaso. The Zohar paskin that there is an Isra Melacha on, an Isra Melacha Medaraisa on Chalamoid. Since they paskin that way, it's obvious that they would paskin you could, should not put on Tefillin Chalamoid. However, we disagree with the other halacha. We disagree and say, according to Avnatanzin, our psak is that Kedushas, that the, the Isra Malacha of Yom Tov, of Chalamoid, is only an Isra Malacha on Chalamoid, is only an Isra to Rabbanan. And therefore, Midaraisa, he felt it does not have an, a sign of an os. Perhaps there's no Kedushas Hayom at all. If that would be true, then you would understand that you should put on film, which was his custom. It's interesting that the uh, brisker minik, to the best of my understanding, is not to put on tefillin chalamoy. But the reason why is very inter- very cl- unclear to me for one strange reason. In a book called Haggadah Leves Brisk, there's a person who put out a Haggadah, and he calls it the brisker Haggadah. He has many comments of the briskers on the Haggadah. In the back, he has... Sipuri Masiot, he has, uh, like, tales of the customs of the, of the Brisker Gdolim. And he mentions there that the reason they don't put on Tfilin Cholamoid is because, really, the mitzvah of Tfilin is every day. All the time. But it's true that we don't wear Tfilin all the time. I'm not wearing Tfilin now, it's daytime, why shouldn't I wear Tfilin? We have a minig, because we're afraid that of Hesachadaz, etc., that we put on Tfilin for only a short time a day. So he argued there that there's no inherent difference between missing a day of tefillin or missing 20 hours or 10 hours or 5 hours of tefillin. So therefore, since there is a question about it, it's not so terrible to miss a day of tefillin. That uh, premise assumes that there's no daily mitzvah specifically of tefillin. It's a mitzvah to wear tefillin all day. And when a person doesn't wear tefillin, he does not fulfill the mitzvah of tefillin. But if he would go a whole day, it's inherently not different than missing a few hours. But Rav Salavechik himself, in the Svarim, in the Shirim, the Zechor Abamari, Rav Salavechik said that's not at all true. That's not the reason why the... He didn't mention the, the whole argument. He just said simply, the reason that the brisker tradition is not to put on film and is because they held of the opinion, clearly and unequivocally, that Tfilin is a... that Cholamoid is has Kedushas Hayom. The Rav discussed exactly what the nature of the Easter Malacha is, but... 
inherently, he said it's clear that Cholamoyed has Kedusha Sayyam, that is the brisker position, and therefore they do not put it, put on Tzvilin on Cholamoyed. The story was told, I, I think Rav Shechter has it in one of his Sfarim, that uh, the brisker Rav himself became by Mitzvah and Sukkas. So he spoke about the fact that should Tzvilin be put on Cholamoyed, but according to the story that I rem- remember reading, if I may memory, it does not deceive me, the briskerav, when he put him, when he was bar mitzvah, wanted to put on tefillin because it was bar mitzvah, so that was the only time that he put on tefillin chalamoid. But in general, the briskers did not put on tefillin chalamoid. Now it's interesting how Rav Natanzin protects his old custom, which really is a German custom, of putting on tefillin on chalamoid. In the newest volume that I mentioned of the Sholem Eshev, the what is called the Madura Shavia, printed by Rav Hershkowitz, there's a tshuva that's written about putting about washing on a on a, on a fast day. The Shulchan Aruch said clearly that except for Tishbav, a person is allowed to wash. The Magen Avram quotes Iran and says the reason for that. Is because and gozim One is not permitted to enact a new law gezeira on, on the tzibur if the tzibur is incapable of handling it. And therefore, the Magen Avram said, "Bal nefesh yachmi bekulam Bal nefesh. I don't know how to translate exactly bal nefesh. Perhaps a sensitive soul should. Be machmir like on Tishabav. Rav Natanzen brought a proof to this. Because the Gemara said that Rebbe Rachatz Bikrona shall tzipuri b'shivasa betamas. Rebbe washed. Tosas there discussed if you don't have to fast, the assumption is when it's peacetime, when things are well, a person does not have to fast. The Gemara says, Bizman shalom, so you don't fast. When The question is, when is Shalom? Exactly what's the definition of Shalom? There are Machogas Rishonim there in Rosh Hashanah, Dafyut Chesavit Bey, is a whole discussion of what Shalom means. But Tosvus in Megillah says, if there's a situation of Shalom, then Rebbe, Rachatz Bekrona Shatzipori. So Tosvus says, you could eat it also. But you would see from here that the assumption is that Rebbe did fast. So why did he wash? He washed it because it's mutter and other taniyos. But according to what we've just said, you can understand. Rebbe was a balnefesh. If he was a balnefesh, then he doesn't have to wash. Then he doesn't have. Then he he does not have to refrain from washing. On Shivasa Batamas. Also says that the acceptance was only for Achila. Berachitza, there's no need to be Machmir because we're talking about a time of Ratsu, Misadim, Ratsu, and Misadim. And since they, it depends upon a time of volition, we accept it upon ourselves to, to refrain from food, but not to refrain from Rechitza. Now, he has a, a, a sentence in parentheses. I assume they put in parentheses because it doesn't 
It's not exactly correct according to halacha. He says, this is only in a time when there's peace. Because then, it depends if they wished to fast. But other times that are not dependent upon their own wishes, then of course, if am nefesh, should be machmir. I'm not sure exactly what he meant here, because if there's shalom, then it's not a, not a question of ratzo. The Gemara says, if there's shalom, then you do not have to fast. If there's war, a, 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 a major problem, then you have to fast. The only time that it's talib ratzu, it depends upon ratzu, is in an in-between situation. Ein shalom ve'ein, ve'ein milchama. There's no problem, there's no major problem, but there's no peace. In that, such a case, it's talib ratzonam. If it's talib ratzonam, so then the ratzon applied to eating, then to apply to to washing, and then the question would be, should a bal nefesh be machmir in such a case? The Rav Salvechik has many times discussed the Ramban in Torah Sa'adam that really the idea of a fast day should be all the laws of a fast day. Like even Shivasa Batama should begin at night. Asar should begin at night. The only reason it doesn't, it doesn't is because since today it depends upon Ratsu and low Ratsu, we only agreed our out of choice, we only accepted the fast day in the morning, we didn't accept the fast day uh, at night. And then one, but is it inherently a fast day at night as well? One could raise the same question also on a fast day like Shevasa Batamas. Is it, re- well, let's take Asar Batavis. Is it, is it really a day that Ruchitsa should be forbidden, but low Ratsu, but inherently the Isar should be there? Or do you say no? With the whole concept, there's only a din of achila, not mechitza. That might be the question. If it would be behoove someone to be machmir on mechitza on shevasa betamus on asar One of the questions that is interesting, more because of the historical situation, was is printed in Sholom Eishiv, uh, what's called the Chelik Rishon. But it's the third part of the Chelik Rishon. Tshuva Ayin Beis. The reason I find this Tshuva interesting is because, let's remember, uh, Rav Shol Yosef Natanzin uh, from uh, the year approximately 1850 somehow, he became a Rav in Lvov, Lemberg in 1857. So this letter was written, was, he received from New York in America. There was a Rav Mittelman who asked him a question. There was a church. And the it, it, it was under private ownership. A person gave the building to, another, to, a, to a church. Then they extended it. They built it bigger. And now they want to sell it to a shul. Can you convert a church to a shul? He discusses the exact nature of that church. The way I can understand it the best, it says, Katuv Belshon English. Welsh, Scotch, Methodist, Tarish, Tarish. I think it might be Parish. I don't know. And they explained that Scots, I assume the Scotch are the people from Scotland, 
made a kircha. What do they do there? So he said, they sing praises to Oso Haish, they dance, they, they, then they have a speech, they dance, Hakol B'Shem Harekev. It's a name referring to their, the one they consider God. And then he says, and I, I, that's important for his point because they're Protestants. And and so what if they're Protestants? Because he says Protestants don't have any images in the building. So the person who wrote to Rav Natanzin said that even if it was a Nevad, then Perhaps, even if it was a place where it was worship, perhaps you can dive in there. So he says, but the question is, is it only permitted to dive in there occasionally? Can you make a shul there? Can you make a Talmud Torah? Can you make a base Medrash to Rabbim? So Rav, Rav uh, Natan's answer was, obviously it's, it's, it's permitted, especially because it's not, uh, it was never really used as a house of Avodah It's true, it wasn't considered a Jewish home, but a home like that could be taken and made into a shul. He says, of, of, We hope, we pray, that all nations will turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it seems that they'll all become shuls. Therefore, he feels that in this particular case, the name of the, name of the place is, is going to be removed. There is no hint of any Dumut V'Tselem. There's no Avodah And therefore, I think not only is it, is it permitted, it's a mitzvah. Interestingly enough, the person wrote back to him and wanted to talk about a place that was that it perhaps it's Usr because it's Nevad. He says, no, it was never Nevad for Avodah and therefore there's no question at all in such a case that it's certainly permitted. And therefore, you could build the shul. Interestingly enough, I'd like to know exactly where the community was in New, in New York that uh, the Jews took over. Very often, the, the case, uh, unfortunately, is the opposite. When the church outgrows, it's... Uh, it's, it's uh, parishioners, and they need a bigger shul, a bigger church, the Havdil. So they need a bigger church, so they sell the uh, old one to a, to a shul. I know many cases in America that that took place. The tshuva of Rav Natanzen, written so long ago, is obviously matir, and referring specifically to, to a Protestant church. One of the interesting tshuvas that I found is based, is because of a story that happened to me. In Sholem Eshev, um, Madura Tinyana, the second volume, in Shuva Peites. Peites was written about an Eruv that was broken on Shabbos. Are you allowed to fix it? Now, he quotes Shut Pay mem. I'm, the, the mem is a little bit fudgy here, and I'm not, I think it's a mem, but if it's true, maybe someone could write to me and tell me who is 
What is the Tshuvas Pei Mem? The Tshuvas Pei Mem in Chelek Aleph, Simid Lamed, permits fixing the Eruf. Rav Shol, the Sholom Meshiv comes with something to me that's a Bamsha. And he says, Ho'il v'hutra hutra. Be, because the Eruf existed, so you could carry in this area that the Eruv was matir. So since it was good, it's good for all Shabbos. I think it's an amazing Chiddush. We have this din by Eruv Tavshilin, that if a person put up an Eruv Tavshilin, and now we can cook from Yantif to Shabbos. If the Eruv was eaten, he can still continue cooking. What really you should do is leave the Eruv Tavshilin for Shabbos and eat it on Shabbos, but not eat it before Shabbos. If a person did eat it, for whatever reason, so you are allowed to continue cooking on Friday, on Yantif, L'chavet Shabbos. But here, it's a different concept. The question is, is it one Rishus or not one Rishus? Is this the Eruv making to a, a one Rishus? So he says, Hutra Hutra. If it was ma- made by Ben Hashmashos, you can continue carrying. He brings a, an interesting proof, his argument. is based on a Gemara, that the Gemara says, if you have a, a wall, that for the purpose of sukkah, it's considered a sukkah. So the Gemara says, that if it's a sukkah, for, if it's a dolphin, for the you know, sukkah, although it doesn't necessarily meet the standards of dolphin, of a wall for Shabbos, we say, Migo Davidofen in sukkah, Havidofen in Shabbos. Why don't we say that since it's, why we say that since it's a dolphin for the purpose of sukkah, it's a purpose for Shabbos. The Ran asks the question, why don't we say the opposite? Why don't we say that since it's not a dolphin for Shabbos, it's not a dolphin for sukkah either? So he says a big Kiddush. He said, look, at the time of Ben Hashmashos, we're discussing what's going on here. And the whole time of Ben Hashmashos is only a suffix. Since there's a suffix, and you could go either way, then since mid you go Lakula. According to the Rambam, even a suffix the Raisa, you go Lakula. But even according to the, to the, to the Rajba, Ben Hashmashos, there's a suffix, and it's Mutter. Since it's a dolphin Ben Hashmashos, and it's mutter. So he said, then you see, ha'wil v'hutra hutra. Only at Ben Hashmashos did I decide it's a dolphin. Because I could have gone either way. I could have said it's neither a dolphin for, for Shabbos or Sukkah, or it's both a dolphin for Sukkah and Shabbos. So he said, on Ben Hashmashos, since there's a safek, I'm mekel. Since I'm mekel on Ben Hashmashos, that psak of Ben Hashmashos goes for the entire Shabbos. So he said, the same thing would go here. That since I said on since there was an Erev on Friday, so you can continue carrying. Years ago, and I've mentioned this before, in times when I've spoken about Rav Amital, that we asked Rav Amital in Camp Mosheva if we're allowed to fix the Erev when it falls on Shabbos. But, of course, our question was only, can we tell a non-Jew we have a caretaker who's not, not Jewish. Can we ask him to fix the Erev on Shabbos? Rav Mital's answer was, 
for sure you could tell him. I thought for sure also we could tell him because it would be considered Amir Lenachri Bemakam Mitzvah the Rabbim because there were many, many people in camp. They wouldn't know what to carry, not to carry, how to carry. So I thought you could be Mekil asking an Anju to fix the Eruv. But Rav Mital surprised us and said that the Archuvas of Achronim, that even if the Eruv falls, you can continue carrying without an Eruv. And I asked him, could he show me the sources? At one point, he showed me that the Achuva of Rab Shlomo Kluger that says this as well. And here I see that the, the Sholem Eshev at least begins his discussion with, by saying that uh, also you could find a place to be Mekel. Of course, my point was it would be better to have the non fix it rather than rely on this psak. But, but Rav Mital said I could rely on this psak. However, we should note that he mentioned only in the specific example of Camp Mosheva under the circumstances where there were many kids who might not, not understand the laws of carrying, etc., etc. So I would not want this uh, tshuva to be used for uh, any practical ramifications without asking your particular raf. Another question that I'd like to discuss is a the din of Davening Mariv. Now we all know that Mariv is Rishos. We all know that we Paskin that today Mariv is not a Rishos. A person who should fa- should uh, Daven Mariv. The question was asked if a woman has to daven Mariv on Shabbos. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the the question was about Musaf. I'm sorry. The question was asked about Musaf in the second chilek of the Sholem Eshev. The question was, do women have to daven, have to say Musaf on Shabbos? What would be the reason to say they, they wouldn't? Well, the general explanation is that women are basically required to daven because of the Gemara in Brachis on Daf Chafam Abbas. The Gemara says, why do women have to daven? Because, Rachame. Because of, uh, tefillah is supplication, asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu to supply your needs. So, why would, why would you have to daven on, so, so, so women would also have to daven because tefillah is Rachame. When tefillah on Shabbos, so there it seems that the mechayev of tefillah is a different mechayev completely. The mechayev of tefillah on Shabbos is kedushas hayam, but nevertheless, it's been accepted somehow that women daven shachris mincha. Ma'ariv itself is a, a, a separate issue, so women would have to daven uh, musaf. Uh, on, on Shabbos as well. Shabbos and Minchab. What about Musaf? 
So the Shorla Meshiv was asked this question, and he mentions the Chiddush of the Tzlach. And he quotes, he mentions the Tzlach, Asher Bisari. This Shuv is found in Chelek uh, Beis, Simen Nun Hey. And there he says that the Tzlach, She'er Bisari, said that women do not have to daven Musaf. Since Musaf is only because of Karbanos, there is no reason for women to say Musaf. The Rebbe Kiveger is known to have said this as well, that women do not have to daven Musaf on on uh, Yamim Tovim, because it's only Rachme. It's I'm sorry, it's not Rachme. It's only Karbanos, and since it's only Karbanos, women are exempt. The Rav Natanzen proceeds to argue with this assumption, and he said, "Let's remember that women are chayiv in Kedushas Hashabbos." Anything that comes from Kedusha Sashabis, women will be obligated in. And he goes to discuss the concept of Zachar Vishamar, Kashi Yashna Bazachar. And in general, we do pask in that way. How do we know women are Chayiv in Kiddush? Because Kashi Yashna Bazachar. According to the Ran, why are women Chayiv in Sudash Lishit? Because all, for all the Dinim of Shabbos, all the Kedusha Shabbos, the Allah has applied to men and to women. So the Tzlach argued that women do have to daven Musaf on Shabbos because, I'm sorry, the Tzlach said that women do not have to daven Musaf on Shabbos, but nevertheless the Sholom Eishiv said that women do have to daven Musaf on Shabbos. Now, this argument of the uh, of the uh, Sholom Eishiv is an interesting argument. One would argue, one would question, how would he relate to Musaf of Rosh Chodesh? Would women have to daven Musaf of Rosh Chodesh? Rabbi Kivega would simply say, no, the only reason one person, you daven Musaf, is because of Kabanas. Since women are not chayef in Kabanas, there would be no obligation to daven Musaf, according to Rabbi Kivega. Would somehow the Shoal Meshav argue with this as well? And say that since there is a concept of Kedusha Sayyom Rosh Chodesh, that's a good question. Is there really a din of Kedusha Sayyom of uh, Kedusha Sayyam and Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is Mutter B'Melacha. Rav Savetchik wrote about this in a, the essay that he wrote about a Hesped for Rav Gold. He discussed there the hidden Kedusha of Rosh Chodesh. But it would seem to me very unlikely that the argument of the Sholem would apply to Rosh Chodesh as well. Then one would raise issues that he has not raised that we should really think about. The argument about davening Musaf, for women davening Musaf on, on Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh, but what about on Yomim Tovim, where Kedush, there is a complete Kedusha Sayyam, and women are chayv in Kedusha Sayyam, and on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Then one could also discuss other tefillahs, for example, Ne'il on Yom Kippur, what is the role of women? We basically know what the Mishnah said in Brachas, that women are chayv in tefillah, but it doesn't say how many times a day and what they have to daven. The assumption would be that on Shabbos, because of Kedusha Sayyam, they do have to daven. The question would be, would women have to daven Musab as well? I mentioned this seems to be a point of machlokas between the Tzlach and Sher Besaro, Harav Shal Yosef Natanzen. It should be pointed out that even if women are parted from Musaf, they certainly may say Musaf. 
Revavadi Yosef and certain Chachmei Svarad based on the, the Beis Yosef and the, the Rambam think that if a woman is parted from something, then she should not make a bracha. This would not apply to Tefillah Samusafim. Revavadi would say clearly that it's a woman, even though a woman could not make a bracha on a lulav or on sukkah, she could not make a bracha, but certainly she would be allowed to daven musaf. Whether she'd be required to is the question that we've discussed today.